0: It is good to be with you here at Myerstown this morning and greet you all in Jesus' name. Always look forward to coming here and seeing your faces again, but I must admit, every time I come here to share the message, I have a little bit of an uneasy feeling about that, but trust that God will be able to speak through me this morning. Before I get started with the message, I just want to take a little time to thank you all for your many ways of support to Shenandoah and the congregation there. We certainly appreciate that in many ways and want to thank you on behalf of Shenandoah congregation from the many different ways you show your support, many times of prayer. I believe that you guys lift us up in prayer. We appreciate that. Bible clubs blessing us with staff to help out with that. We appreciate that as well. And along with maybe last but not least, the financial support. So thank you again to each one of you who has given of your time or resources to bless us. So God bless you for that. Coming to or going to different congregations can be an extra challenge for me at times to know what to share and I struggled with this one again like I do other times, um, struggling to know exactly what I should share about. I often end up reusing messages when I go to other churches and I decided to do that this morning. I know Dale made the comment to me already that it's okay to reuse a message as long as it is better the second time or the third time or however many times you use them. So. I tried to spend some time putting this in the microwave and warming it up again, so I trust that we can all benefit from it. It's a message that actually has a message I've thought a lot about and a message that I hardly feel worthy to preach but it's a challenge for me and I trust that it can be a blessing to us. This spring or one of the things I enjoy about springtime is the life that comes out of the ground. And there's some spring flowers I look forward to every spring. And hyacinth is one of my favorite spring flowers. And I think it was actually my dad's favorite spring flower as well. And maybe that's where I got that. But the thing I really like about the hyacinths, I think they're beautiful. But maybe more than that, I like the aroma that they give. And this spring... Several of the we have several planted in our flower beds. As they were coming up and starting to bloom, I went out the one day and just cut one to put it in a vase in the house. And the one more, I feel like I enjoy them more when they're more in front of me, where I'm walking past or standing in front of. I put it on the windowsill, I believe, in our kitchen. And the one morning, I was smelling the aroma that this flower was giving, and I had to think about my life or our lives as Christians. There should be something pleasant coming from our lives. Pleasant to God's nostrils, if I can say, that is pleasing to Him. And there's some Bible verses that I talk about that I'd like to look at this morning. As I was preparing this message, I did change it some, and I put in another flower instead of the hyacinth, some a flower that You may have blooming right now in your flower beds. We have a few at home. And it's another flower that gives off a very pleasant aroma. And I'll put it up here. I decided to use PowerPoint because I'm going to be looking at several different scriptures this morning. This might not be extremely clear to you sitting back there, but any guesses on what type of flower this is? It's... August lily, yes. Usually, I believe known as an August lily because it blooms in August. And we have several at at our house right now that are blooming. And my wife made the comment to me one day about these flowers. Sometimes... I do enjoy flowers, but probably not as much as a lot of you women do, and sometimes I can just kind of go about my busy schedule and kind of forget about the flowers that are blooming there. My wife made the comment to me the one day, do you, "Did you see the flowers, or did you smell the flowers? So I took time and, and smelled the August lily, and I before I was not aware of how, how uh, pleasant the August lily or how beautiful the smell that they have, and so I put this up instead of the... Uh, Hyacinth. And in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul actually said he was writing to the church in to the church at Corinth, and he was saying, We are to be a sweet aroma to God. And I'd like to look at a few verses there in the introduction. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Verse 15: For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Some translation use the the word aroma in there instead of savor. We are a sweet aroma to God. I think ESV, the English Standard Version, has aroma instead of savor. And as God's people, as born-again children of God, our life is to be bringing something beautiful to God where He is watching over us and is pleased with our actions and in a sense we are producing that pleasant aroma just as that hyacinth or that august lily produces to the saved and to them that perish so what i'd like to do this morning is go back in some of the old testament look at some examples where there was a sweet aroma and then sometimes where there was a stench instead of an aroma And then in the end of the message, I would like to look at another flower and compare our lives to these two flowers, the August lily and the other flower that we'll look at at the end. My goal is simply to encourage each one of us to live a life that brings a sweet aroma to God. I believe that's what every one of us has that desire, to produce an aroma that is pleasing to God. But I believe sometimes as we go about life, we can get distracted or... We're not really focused on living for Christ. At least I can speak for myself in those areas. So I want to encourage you to, as you go about your life, especially as you go about this week, think of what your life is producing, not to those around you, but to God. Sometimes we can put up a front and we can make things look good, but maybe to others we're producing a sweet aroma, but to God we might be producing something else. The title of the message this morning is A Sweet Savor to God. And the first point I'd like to look at is Old Testament sacrifices that smelled sweet to God. Or, in other words, pleased God, ones that God accepted. The second point is Old Testament sacrifices that stank to God or displeased Him. It doesn't always say that when, a, when an offering was, was lifted or was given to God, when an offering was made sometimes god was displeased it doesn't always use the word that it stank to god but in some cases i believe that's what happened and the third point is new testament sacrifice that smelled sweet to god the fourth one the key to live as a pleasant aroma to god and then the fifth one what scent is your life producing to god like to move on to the first point and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is go through quite a few scriptures. I'm going to put them on the, on the wall for us to read starting in Genesis and this is after Noah and his family were in the ark. The flood came. Their, li- their lives were spared. The water came down. The door was open and Noah got out and I'll start reading here in verse 20 in Genesis 8. And Noah built and altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any, smite any more every thing living as I have done. So this offering that. Noah, Noah offered to God, the smoke went up, and God was looking down, and I believe it was pleasing to him, and it was a sweet savor to him. It was something that God delighted in. God accepted his offering. Another example in Exodus 29, you can read that chapter sometime if you like. I'm not going to read much from there, but the Israelites were given very specific commandments on how they should offer the sacrifices to God and in exodus 29 verse 18 it says and thou shalt burn burn the whole ram upon the altar it is a burnt offering unto the Lord it is a sweet savor an offering made by fire unto the Lord and then in Levit- Leviticus I think it mentions in sixteen different times how the offerings lifted were a pleasant aroma or a sweet aroma that pleased God. God obviously delighted in these sacrifices. Leviticus 1 verse 9, but his inwards and legs shall he wash in water. This is talking about the sacrifice. And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So again, we're thinking about what smell or the sweet savor that the lord is delighting in that he approves and in the old testament it was many times god delighted in the sacrifices that were made to him so i want to ask the question why did the sacrifice or why the animal sacrifices please god what was it that pleased him Was it the smell? Was it actually a a pleasant smell that God smelled? And it's like, oh, that smells good. Just like that flower smells good when we stoop down and we take time to smell the flower. Was it the smell that when they burned the incense, that sweet smell that was given? Or was it what it accomplished? Is that what what God delighted in? I'd like to just look briefly at that. I believe one of, the reason, one of the reasons why God delighted in those sacrifices is man's sin, we know, separates us from God. It happened in the Old Testament, happens in, today's, in our world today. Man's sin separates us from God. In the Old Testament, the way that sin was atoned for, the way that sin was removed, was by animal sacrifice. So that relationship that was broken could be restored. And I believe God delighted in that. I believe that's maybe one of the reasons why it was a sweet savor to God. The second one, it pleased God when it was offered with a willing heart. I'd like to look at a few examples as we go throughout the message. There were some sacrifices that people made that did not have the same effect of a sweet savor. And In Exodus 25, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth giveth it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. So even in the Old Testament, God's desire was that man would offer sacrifices willingly from their heart. And I believe that's also what God delighted in when, when Noah got out of the ark and he offered that sacrifice I believe he did it willingly from his heart not everyone did that and we can live a life today too where we might in a sense give up of something for for God but we might do it grudgingly or not willingly God delights in people that follow him with a willing heart moving into the second point in looking at the sacrifices that did not please God. And I'd like to go back to in the beginning as well in Genesis when Cain and Abel offered sacrifices to God. Genesis 4 verses 3 and 5. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So we have two offerings being given to God. One God, I believe, delighted in, and the other one God did not accept. God rejected, and Cain became very angry. I don't plan to spend much time on talking why God did not accept Cain's offering, but I believe there was something in the way Cain offered it. Maybe he did not do it willingly from his heart. We know Abel Abel picked out a perfect sheep, a perfect lamb, and offered it. And Cain offered things from the ground. And God rejected Cain's and accepted Abel's. Another passage in Isaiah when God's people, the Israelites, when they were living in rebellion, and they, made, they, they were still offering sacrifices even though they were living in rebellion. And sacrifices that did not please God, and this is an example right here, Isaiah 65, verses 2 through 5. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth, sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among you the graves, which remain among the graves and lodge in the, in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abom- abominable things is in their vessels, which say, "Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou." These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. So here the Israelites were offering their sacrifices, but instead of God being pleased by the sacrifice, instead of it being a pleasant aroma to his nostrils, it stank to God. And God said, It's like smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. You probably know what it's like to be sitting around a campfire and have that smoke. Turn, shift directions and blow right into your face, and it's rather unpleasant. Usually if it continues to do that for a length of time, you move. So often after you move, it's not long until it's blowing in your face again, and smoke is not pleasant. You don't want that just blowing into your face. And here, I get the picture of God, this offering being lifted to God. The smoke is coming up in His face, and He turns away from it. He doesn't accept it. He doesn't want it. It's It's a stench to him. So why? Why does God sometimes delight in offerings? And why did he sometimes reject them? Why was it sometimes a stench to him? I believe verse 2 has the answer. A rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. So here we have people offering, making everything look good, but yet their hearts were far from what what God was wanting. They were living in rebellion. Another example in the Old Testament, this is not an actual picture where, a, where an offering was lifted and, and sacrificed to God, but an offering that was going to be given to Him. And it actually came up in our Sunday school this morning in the discussion how Achan, how he was clearly commanded to destroy everything that the... or to wipe out the Amalekites, destroy everything that they have. And I can imagine... The, uh, or when Saul, when they went out to, um, I'm talking about two different things now, I'm talking about here Saul, it says when, when um, Samuel confronted him, when Saul was commanded to destroy everything that they had, it says and Samuel said, this is in Samuel 15 verse 22, Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So here they were saying, well, yes, we were commanded to destroy everything that, that they have to wipe everything out, but they saw some things were valuable, so he took, and he was going to keep some things for, for himself, and they were going to, they kept some of the cattle, and they were going to offer, or when, when Samuel confronted him, He's saying, why do I hear the sheep and why do I hear the cows in the background making this sound? And he says, well, I was going to sacrifice, offer them to God. And we know that God clearly desires obedience rather than sacrifice. And I believe that was not just in the Old Testament. That is in the New Testament and still for us today, that God would rather us live in obedience rather than to sacrifice. Now, I'd like to move on into the New Testament to a sacrifice that was made as well. Ephesians 5, verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, they were commanded to offer animal sacrifices. The New Testament, we know there was a change. Jesus Christ came as that lamb, that sacrificial lamb. And and Jesus gave of his life so that the animal sacrifices would no longer have to be made. And Jesus, his sacrifice, his death on the cross was a sweet smelling savor to God. It was something that God delighted in. And you and I, we cannot, of our own, produce something that is pleasing to God. Isaiah talks about our righteousness being as filthy rags to God. There's many people that want to be a good person. You can talk to a lot of people in the world that say, Well, I try to do what's right. I try to be kind to others, and I try to respect others. I hope my good works outweigh my bad. But the Bible is very clear that we cannot earn our way to heaven. We cannot do anything good enough. But Jesus Christ came and was that sacrificial lamb. He gave of his life so that we can become, our life can be a sweet aroma to God as well. And that only happens when we confess our sin, when we repent of it, when we return from it and put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are made new. We are cleansed. And that is how we can become a pleasant aroma to God. That is the key to becoming a a fragrance to God. Moving into the fourth point. I have down here just a few things without Christ and in Christ, and under the key of becoming a sweet aroma to God. Without Christ you are lost, you are unrighteous, you are living for self, unable to produce sweet aroma to God. And in Christ, you are redeemed. You're bought back. You become righteous. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. And in Christ, you are no longer living for self. You are living for Christ. And out of that produces a sweet savor to God. So that is very crucial. We cannot go throughout our life hoping our good works outweigh our bad and hoping, well, we're good enough to get to heaven. No, the key is to become, to become a sweet aroma to God, is to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to put our faith in him, and out of that can produce righteousness, can produce something that is pleasant to God. In Romans chapter 12, some very familiar verses, I'd like to turn there briefly. The key to becoming a sweet aroma to God as well is in Romans, the beginning of chapter 12. And going thinking along the lines of sacrifices again, so we're no longer required to offer animal sacrifices. That was fulfilled. That was done away with. But instead, we are to offer our bodies, offer our life as a living sacrifice I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the acceptable and perfect will of God. Our, if our life, or if we live our life as a sacrifice to God, saying, here I am, God, use me, that is when... God, I believe, gets that pleasant aroma to his nostrils where he looks down and is pleased with you and your decision to follow him and to be a living sacrifice for him. And this, obviously, is not a one-time commitment. You know, when you choose to follow Jesus Christ, you say, here I am, Lord, and you just kind of live your own life. No, this is a, a daily thing that we are called to do, to lay our life down daily as a living sacrifice. I'd like to go back to 2 Corinthians again in chapter 2, how we are a savor to those that are saved and to those that are unsaved, or a pleasant aroma. I'd like to read these three verses. I had read verse 15 earlier, but it says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Verse 16, To the one... We are the savour of death unto death, and to the other the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So our life should not only be a sweet aroma to God, but it should be a sweet aroma to other believers. It should be a sweet aroma to those that are unsaved as well. And I don't know exactly what this all looks like, but I have a few ideas. I, I think of when we are a sweet aroma to the other believers, you know, when we get together, we, are, we encourage each other. At least I hope we do. We care for each other. We love each other. And we, that, in a sense, it is a pleasant aroma. It, it should be something beautiful when we gather together, where we're, when we're together as families or wherever it may be. And to those that perish... To the unsaved, we're producing something as well. There is something that they see in us that may convict them. There's something that they see in us that they might desire to have. Because we should be, as, the, as Matthew and Matthew talks about us being the salt and the light, there should be something different. And doesn't mean that they will always like you because of it. In fact, they may reject you, they may hate you. It says that we should expect persecution but they should see something in you that makes a difference. Last fall, it was just before hunting season, I had a trail camera out and I decided I'm going to go out and check my trail camera before the hunting season starts. And I parked just off the road right along the field and I went out and checked my camera and I came back to my vehicle. And just as I was backing out, ready to back out, there was another vehicle pulling in right to where I was. And it was two other people in there. I was like, well, they're hunters as well. They pulled in beside right where I was. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll talk to them and find out where they plan to hunt so we don't meet each other opening day. And I was talking to them, had a nice little chat where they were going to hunt. I told them where I was planning to go. And then he... Got out of his truck, he got some minerals to take out. He said he has a camera right up in the woods at, at his stand. He wants to put these minerals out. This was just short time before hunting season. I'm just like, well, I said, actually, I said, you're not allowed to have minerals out. You have to have them removed like 30 days before the season starts. He's like, oh, he's like, there's no wardens coming out here. He's like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. I said, okay. I said, hey, I said, you can do what you want to do. I said, to me, I said, more than a warden catching me, I said, what would stop me more is that I said, I have a heavenly father who sees everything I do. And I said, I can't hide anything from him. He's like, oh, he's like, now you're going to make me feel bad. <laughs> and I said, hey, I said, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. I'm not going to report you if you do it. I said, that's not how I hunt. It was interesting. He opens his truck door, puts it back in there, <laughs> and went up, and I actually talked to him later, then he saw me, he's like, yeah, he's like, you're right, he's like, I I should not be doing things like that, it's not right. Now, I shared a story where, because of what I said, and how I live, it was different from his lifestyle, and I could share plenty of stories where, of failure, where I haven't stood up, and, and was that savor, or that sweet aroma among unbelievers, and I could probably tell more stories of those than times where I stood up, but there are, we should be that aroma to Christians as well as non-Christians. That should just be part of our life because of who we are and how we live. And then the last verse in 17, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So Paul, I believe, was Familiar or seen a lot of people who were corrupting the Word of God, maybe the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had all these laws, and yet they were living as hypocrites. They were teaching one thing and living another. And that is sometimes, or that is something I think about a lot, especially with preaching a message. You know, I can preach or I can teach how to live or what to do, but then it's another thing for me to live that out. And sometimes I feel very challenged in that area and sometimes I fail in that area. But it is my desire, as Paul said, that we are not as ones which corrupt the Word of God, that, that each one of us here this morning can teach or preach and actually live out what we teach and preach and not be hypocrites. I'd like to spend a little time On the contrast now looking at another flower, the Titan Arum flower. It's a flower that I was not familiar with before I studied for this message for the first time I had preached it and it's I think it's a tropical flower at least I don't know that we have any around here. The Titan Arum flower known as a corpse flower It is one of the world's largest flowers, which the bloom of it, the flower, is six to eight feet tall. So you can get a little idea of how big this flower actually is. It is very rare. It's one of the rarest flowering structures. The corpse flower is a pungent plant that blooms rarely and only for a short time. While it is in bloom, the flower emits a strong odor similar to rotting meat or aptly a decaying corpse, hence the name of the flower. know what it's like to sometimes especially in the summertime you might be driving down the road with your windows open if you go past a roadkill sometimes that unpleasant odor that comes in well that's similar to the smell that this flower produces so while i've never seen this flower in person to me i don't think it looks bad it has some beauty to it maybe not as beautiful as some flowers but when you get closer to it it said especially right after it opens it gives a that very strong smell of decaying or rotting meat. What I'd like to talk about a little bit this morning is sometimes we can become, I believe, like this corpse flower, the the Titan Arum flower. Now, I look at this and feel like maybe sometimes I am producing, my life is producing a stench by the way or by what I do or how I live. Now. I'm not, I I want to be careful with this because I believe that every Christian is on a journey, a journey of sanctification where we continue to strive to follow God, but we sometimes make mistakes where we fail. And it might be somewhat of an uneven road, but God is continuing to work in our hearts. And if it's, I want to be very clear if you have chosen to repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, I believe as a result of that, as a result of Christ in you, your life is producing something beautiful. There is something pleasant coming from your life. However, we can, I I really believe, at times, turn away from that and turn to live a sinful life and producing something that is unpleasant rather than pleasant. And sometimes... This is maybe done as well as being a hypocrite. You know how Paul said he was sincere, not corrupting the Word of God, and God, God's desire for each one of us is to live a sincere life, and it is possible for us to go to church every Sunday, to wear the right clothing, to even do a lot of the right things, and maybe even among other Christians, we may look like that autumn lily and smell like that autumn lily, but to God, maybe we are like the corpse flower where we are instead of producing something pleasant, we're producing something disgusting to his nostrils. And I want to oh, I just lost it here I'll try to get back here. I want to encourage each one of us to think about our lives as individuals. If we are saying one thing and living another, I believe our life is very similar to this flower. It may look good. We may look good from the outside, but inside there is a stench that is being produced. And maybe it starts with just little things, you know. Well, maybe we don't feel like being transparent about something and we just try to cover it up. And well, we'll deal with that later, but then one thing can lead to another, and after a while, we are living a double life, a completely uh, two-faced life. And I personally, I know what that's like to go through and, and live it, live that type of life, and I've, I've been there, and it's not a fun place to be. It's It's a miserable place to be, and that's not God's desire. God's desire is for something That your life would produce something beautiful rather than a stench. And I would like for us to think about these two flowers, the August lily, the pleasant smell, and the titan arum, the stench. Again, God's heart is obviously for that like the August lily where there's beauty on the outside, beauty on the inside, and Christ Jesus is the one that gives the inner beauty. And when we live a transparent life, a sincere life, that is who we are. When we cover up, when we try to put things under the rug and live our own life rather than living a, or be a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ, I believe we can become that, like that Titan Aram. This is extremely important for every one of us to think about, because if we go through life as that Titan Aram flower, again, where everything may look good, but we know in our hearts that things are not right, in the end, it's going to bring death. We know when Achan hid his treasure in the ground that he took of what he was not supposed to, it brought death to his family, and hiding things, covering up sin, it'll produce a stench to God, and in the end, it will lead to death. The difference between these two is heaven or hell. And the August lily, something that's beauty inside and out, is something that God's people delight in, the world sees and and sees something different, and in the end... It's uh, going that your eternal reward will obviously be heaven. You will be re- rewarded for what God has done in you and for living a faithful life to him. What's so beautiful about this is if there's anyone here that, you, if, if you know you're that Titan Aram, God is still giving you breath. You still have life. And if God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaks to you and convicts you, I would encourage you to listen to that because God, and only God, can take something that produces a horrible stench and make it produce something so beautiful. And that can happen just like that when you say, here I am, Lord, and you confess, you repent of the sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. So I want each one of us, as we go throughout this week, to think about the autumn lily, especially if you have them growing around your house. Take time to to smell the lily, to smell the beauty that comes, or the, the pleasant aroma that comes from it, and think about your life, and allow God to work in your life, that, he, that you that your life can be one that is like that August lily, producing that beautiful, pleasant aroma to God's nostrils, because that's his heart, and I believe that's everyone's heart here this morning, and that can be done when we choose to allow Christ to have his way in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning, and Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the beautiful flowers that you've created and what we can take from your beautiful creation, and Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to Think of our lives and the aroma that is coming from our life. Lord, I pray that each life here could be producing that aroma that is pleasant to your nostrils, that is pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is like that Titan Arum plant that is not producing something pleasant to you, Lord, I pray that they would listen to your spirit speak and that they would allow you to... Work in their life so that they can be a beautiful vessel or a beautiful flower for your kingdom, so that the world may see and that the world may desire to know you. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. I have this song, please.